Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Welcome to Jenkins and Jones on the Volume Podcast Network. It is Monday, October 17th. Do y'all know I fucked the date up last week on the podcast? No, no, and I don't care, honestly. Mike, you can fuck it. You say any day. <laughs> it's Monday, November 36th. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? As always, Jenkins and Jones, hosted by my buddies, Dragonfly Jones, aka Tyler. Hey, how's it going, everybody? <laughs> Man's forgot his mic, nigga. Hell yeah. That motherfucker was not in the goddamn shot. But we had Le- Jethro Jenkins, a.k.a. LeJonathan. Le Jenkins. What's that, Bubba's? I'm Gardy B, a.k.a. Mike. Stay tuned. Later in the show, we've got a great interview, one of my favorite interviews we've ever done with Jonathan Abrams, whose book, The Come Up, releases tomorrow on Tuesday. You definitely want to check that out, and uh, the interview and the book but uh, really excited. We all got copies. They sent us review copies. Um, I'm a couple hundred pages into it. Loving it. Awesome book and a great interview. Yeah. Can't um, wait. Um, all right. Let's talk about the Warriors. We can start with the Warriors. Absolutely. Obviously, I know I got to do the LinkedIn. That's crazy. That's, cr- that's, a, that's crazy. You, that's crazy. That's insulting. All right. <laughs> As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. 
If you've been listening to the show, you know I run a small nonprofit called The 562, and that has given me many personal hiring stories and experiences positively that can relate back to LinkedIn jobs. It's a great way to help you find who you're looking for for your business, regardless of its size. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J&J. That's linkedin.com slash J-A-N-D-J to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Let's talk about the big buck warriors. Money bags. <laughs> Sheesh. Yeah, them boys got paid. <laughs> Everybody, do y'all remember that? But this one person. <laughs> do, y- but do, y'all remember, do y'all remember that clip? <laughs> When when they was uh, popping bottles in, in the locker room and, and, and Poole and Wiggins was hugged up, they're like, what you doing this summer? They're like, I'm getting paid. What you doing this summer? I'm getting for you. I remember that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are. And Here they we were are. correct. Yeah. <laughs> $140 million over four years to Jordan Poole, $109 million over four years to Andrew Wiggins. It's going to bring the Warriors payroll for the upcoming season to a record-setting $483 million dollars gentlemen they got it thoughts. though they'll be all right i remember everybody saying that uh wiggins was an odd man out and i'm thinking like bro did you see that man in the finals right all-star starter as young as he is you know what i'm saying you're gonna like you know you're gonna let that go ridiculous they're they're too smart to let that go you know what i mean so i'm glad he got his bag um, i'm glad he wasn't odd man out he earned that for sure and it's interesting that he's an all-star starter he's young he played, had a great finals, and Poole still got that m- more money. That's how highly they think of Poole. You know what I mean? So that was something I peeped as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the Warriors are to be commended here because we see so many championship teams fall apart because owners don't want to pay people. You know what I mean? So, you know, give them their props for that because they, they're not, that's not going to be what's, what's going to cause the downfall of the Warriors. Obviously, they're not going to have Poole or Wiggins walk. They lock both those guys in. So, I mean, if they look like a franchise that, you know, is is fine with doing what they need to do to remain, a, you know, a championship or a championship contender. Which also brings us to the next point: is that there's going to be some tough decisions coming up as well on the paydays for like Draymond and Draymond and Clay. So, you know, I'm I'm really not sure how they figure those two out, honestly. Well, I, I appreciate it. It's it's interesting. Um, I, I I'm a Bob Myers fan. I'm I'm always interested in what he has to say. I think he communicates in a way that's like not totally full of shit and also pretty straightforward. Um, but his quote was, uh, I know what the numbers are. I can't evaluate what we're going to do next season until uh, we see what happens this season. I just know this. There's a huge commitment to winning. There always has been, and I believe there always will be. I'm lucky to be in an ownership group that believes that, and their actions prove it. And as a Lakers fan, I just have to totally fucking agree with that. And I can't believe that I'm sitting here wishing that the – Clippers and Warriors philosophy of winning first would trickle its way down to the Los Angeles Lakers. But <laughs> um, and uh, and Meyer said uh, again, they haven't made any kind of decision with Draymond and Clay. 
He said, we have to take it year to year. If you asked me a year ago if we were going to pay Poole and Wiggins this, I would not have believed you. <laughs> it ain't a year ago, Bubba, though. It's today. And they earned that bag, you feel me? But I want to really do a clay because I know, like, you know, Draymond, you know, we, we've, we've talked about that. You know what I mean? So, and Draymond's not the Draymond that got the bag that he's actually playing on currently. You know what I mean? But... But Clay still has some. He's still putting up decent numbers. You know what I mean? And he's, you know, he's good. I mean, he's, he's good on decent on decent on the defensive end still, and still can well, get a bucket also on the other end. They also so. don't have a hard cap. I mean, they've progressively made it so that the luxury makes you pay more and more of a pen penalty. But if your ownership group says we don't give a fuck, I'll pay an extra hundred. They might be the Yankees to compete for. They a might be the Yankees. Get, like, who gives you know a fuck? Saying? Right? I mean, right. maybe they pay Draymond and Clay. Like, they, if they truly don't give a fuck, then. The NBA will let you, as long as you're paying a higher and higher luxury tax, they'll let you spend what you want to spend. What's the soft cap? It's it's, it's several tens of millions of dollars below what their current payroll is. I, I don't know that they, I don't know that they're going to feel pressured to make particularly hard decisions if if they contend again. And honestly, even with Draymond, if Draymond looks like the captain of a defense, it's contending for a championship. Ah, shit, y'all said it. They have the money. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> They're not worried about the money. Um, all right. Uh, speaking of, uh, well, maybe a sport where money is a, a little bit less predictable in terms of how it helps you contend. Uh, baseball playoffs <laughs> have been absolutely fucking crazy. And I'm regretting letting my son talk me into being a Dodgers fan a couple years ago. Uh, they just got knocked out by the Padres after one of the best seasons in best regular seasons in history. Uh, and the Braves also got knocked out. So we have a fucking Padres, Phillies, <laughs> and LCS. Like, it's truly crazy, but I don't know. There's It doesn't really feel like there's a lot of playoffs left where – is it like baseball and hockey where it's just truly like who's hot? You know what I mean at the moment? Like, I, it's wild. I've never seen anything like this. You win 111 games, you assume you're getting to the fucking championship series. Like, I don't – I don't, yeah, That's the thing about baseball. I, I mean, I don't know shit about hockey, to be honest. I've watched like – 12 hockey games in my entire life you know what i mean so but uh baseball i remember like the braves those years when they were like fucking stacked and they would get beat by the phillies and the blue jays and shit like that and it's like who the fuck nobody was talking about these niggas all year you know what i mean the you know what i'm saying and, and, and so that's baseball to me when it comes to the playoffs as much as we shit on baseball i think it's one of the most exciting playoffs because there's no guarantees like going like, into that padre padre series it, there was a chance if they if the bats got cold they they can lose at all times. There's zero. There's there's like you said. There's 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 less guarantees in baseball than possibly any other sport. Yeah, baseball, um, baseball playoffs. Like I cannot imagine being a fan of a team watching baseball playoffs, right? Because the whole shit about you know, I, I think the things that bore me about regular season baseball excite me about playoff baseball, right? The, the, the slow pace, the build up to the, to the suspenseful moments, right? Like that bores me with regular season games, but it's the whole shit of the whole playoffs. And it, it has me on like the edge of my seat. And I cannot imagine being a fan of a team dealing with that shit, bro. Yeah, it sucks, bro. It's fucking yeah. terrible. <laughs> like I said, it was like 111 wins. It, it was, it was, and I think it was the biggest run differential since 1916. And then they lose 3 1 to a team that they went. 15 and four against during the regular season. <laughs> the regular season is like background music. You know what I'm saying? And then like the playoffs is like a, like the most suspicious is jaws. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? It's just like it, the, 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 the discrepancy between like the regular season and playoffs and baseball is probably the biggest, you know what I mean? Of all the sports. 
Because it just it's, it feels like a totally different sport when the playoffs begin. Like I, it's a sport I can actually watch and enjoy. <laughs> it's not right. that during the regular season, you know what I'm saying? hundred uh, percent. All right, stick around for our interview with Jonathan Abrams. Tip off the NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Plus, FanDuel is the only sportsbook that's giving all customers three months of NBA League Pass when they make a $5 bet on the NBA. Then you can watch all the action as you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to totals. You all know I'm a big Lakers fan, and I'm, uh, I've gone from being an irrationally overconfident Lakers fan to being an irrationally pessimistic Lakers fan. So I'm going to take uh, the under. I'm going to hedge against the Lakers hard. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bet that the Lakers are going to have a miserable season, <laughs> and I would take every other team in the NBA to perform better than the Lakers. So don't miss your chance to get $150 in free bets plus three months of NBA League Pass with promo code JNJ. That's J-A-N-D-J. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Disclaimer, must be 21 and over in select states. New customers, first online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Existing customers, $5 NBA wager required. Limit one pass per customer across both offers. Restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See full terms for both offers at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home services marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects easy. We've used Angie at my house. We had some work done. Uh, We had some painting done. We are able to find a bunch of really qualified people with good rates through Angie and pick someone we are really happy with. It was super easy to use the app, super easy to connect with someone. We got the call right away, so we didn't have to sit around and wait. Your one-stop shop, Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie gets the difficulties that come with home projects. Why not make it as simple as possible to tackle that project? Turn to Angie with confidence, even for major renovations or emergency repairs. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com or download the app today. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked talked about every time i refresh my dms it's 14 blue check marks of people i didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me hear that in all episodes of the nikki glazer podcast on america's number one podcast network iheart open your free iheart app and search the nikki glazer podcast 
to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Jenkins and Jones listeners, today joining us, we have esteemed Grantland alum, author of All the Pieces Matter, the inside story of The Wire, the author of Boys Among Men, How the Prep to pro pipeline redefine the nba currently at the new york times as a sport reporter he is here to discuss with us his new book set to drop which is called the come up and oral history of the rise of hip-hop we have the one the only jonathan abrams jonathan how's it going brother what's up fam thank you for having me on this week i would have not done good on mina's episode my fruit <laughs> knowledge is probably limited to now and later flavors <laughs> <laughs> we did discuss candy flavors in that like you know i discussed how i thought cherry flavor was so much better than cherries when i was a kid but you, you guys went in depth yeah yeah she, we, we she, going she, depth. She, she had a she had a hipster list jonathan for sure but i was i was impressed and it was i, w- I was laughing with my wife about it because she was like this is definitely someone whose mom shopped at asian grocery stores because my wife was those are all my wife's favorite fruits but she was like you weren't expecting kiwis papayas and white nectarines on a top five fruit list <laughs> yo nah. my my kids will probably have scurvy or something because they do not eat fruit <laughs> really no nah, i really? cannot force them unless it's like a popsicle or something what about vegetables? Any type of balance there? Balance? Nah. <laughs> Just meat and carbs, baby. You know what I'm yo, saying? Real medieval with it. You know what I'm saying? Yo, I have a five-year-old. The only meat he'll eat is Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. I swear. Chick-fil-A chicken taste. nuggets. I, I mean, it. I can't. If I had to pick one meat, that might be on the short list. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my daughter will eat Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets or or white starch carbs. She'll eat uh, potatoes. She will eat rice. She will eat bread. And that is it. <laughs> my my little brother, my little brother for two years, all he ate was white rice with soy sauce and, and, and honey nut Cheerios. And he still has his abs at 26. So <laughs> <laughs> only person that still got him. You feel me? So <laughs> yeah, that, they'll be all right. So Jonathan, man, first off, this book is incredible, bro. Like it is an accomplishment. Um, you know, I think the history of hip hop is something that has been written about a million times before, but never quite like this, where, you know, it's an oral history where you spoke with like, I think over 300 artists, DJs, radio hosts, record label execs to bring this story to us. It's such an ambitious project and it's fucking incredible. So I'm just curious about the process here, because, you know, like I said, it's such an ambitious huge idea that manifested itself in an incredible way. So I just want to know the ins and outs of how you put this, you know, incredible all encompassing piece together. I, I appreciate that. Cause I feel like I was working on this thing since like Lil Wayne started his mixtape run. It's been a while. It's been a while. And I would like talk to some of my journalist friends and let them know that I was working on something like this. And I, I would see their side eye be like, you're going to try to do what? Yeah, but I mean, I probably would have side eyed you too. Like it's, it's like <laughs> I said, it's a, it's a ridiculously ambitious idea that you nailed. You know what I'm saying? It, it is. But you know, I, I thought that hip hop is something that hasn't been excavated as much as it should, especially those pivotal early days, right? Like mm-hmm. it's such a gargantuan industry, and it permeates all of society. 
yet do people really know about Cool Herc and Grandmaster Flash and Cold Crush Brothers? So personally, I wanted to learn more. So I started from that perspective. And then as I continued, it turned into this, this story, this almost saga of how this musical genre rose from nothing in the Bronx and just permeating everything that we see today. Gotcha, gotcha. Going, um, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, you wanted to to flesh out the the birth of hip hop a bit more. And, you know, I'm, I'm someone who, you know, as Bron said, I consider myself a hip hop historian. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 you know, reading through, through, through the first few chapters, like I'm learning too. like, you know, there was something, you know, there was a passage that she wrote about the blackout in New York City, 1977. Like I was familiar with the blackout of 1977, summer 1977. I think a lot of us are, but I had no idea the role that it played in like bolstering hip hop and, and kind of jumpstarting hip hop because, you know, it was a young genre just started in, you know, like five years ago, 72 at, at 1520 Sedgwick had um, Sedgwick, you know, with, with the cool Herc party. But it's like, you know, I never put two and two together because everyone said after the blackout, you know, these stick up kids went looting and everybody had DJ equipment after that. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you know, these hip hop pioneers, they weren't 35 year olds with with 401ks. They were broke teenagers from the hood. You know what I'm saying? So so I'm just curious, like, you know, during your research here, was was there anything, you know, you discovered that that, that kind of blew your mind? Like any other, you know, like serendipitous type shit where you're like, wow, if this little thing doesn't happen, this major thing doesn't happen. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You look at how things build off of one another. And I'll just go with, in 1982, the message comes out and hip hop up until that point had been really just party music, right? Like mm -hmm. rapper's delight, but the message comes out and it's something more meaningful. It's social construct, it's broken glass everywhere. And Schooly D is in Philadelphia. He's an up and coming artist. He hears that yeah, song. PSK. Yep, PSK launches off of that. So PSK launches off of that, Parkside Killers, which is really, the start of reality rap, yeah. hustle rap, you know, the media called it gangster rap, but they called it something different when they were starting it. Ice-T hears what Schooly D is doing. He comes out with six in the morning. Mm -hmm. Ice Cube and NWA and everybody is listening to what Ice-T and Schooly D are doing. Then they come out with Boys in the Hood. And then that thing, it, it all propels off of one another. There's so much of hip hop where right. if one thing doesn't happen, the next thing doesn't happen. Right, right. Ice-T told a great story about how when he started rapping, he said, you know, I was doing hip hop. You don't stop, you know, party type music. And he said his homeboy came up to him and said, yo, Ice, man, you rapping about parties. He said, we don't go to parties. We rob the parties. And Ice-T was like, yeah, you're right. And that's when he shifted to a gangster rapper, right? So, yeah, it's, it's just it's, it's, it's just little shit like that. But like you said, it's for sure like a domino effect of things. Yeah. Um, oh, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, just no I... I Go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna gonna agree with that. And then just to illuminate on the blackout a little bit more, because I think that's such a pivotal story. You gotta think about what was going on in New York at that time when it's the summer of Sam, the Bronx is desolate, it's decayed, the Bronx is burning back then. And the kids have really have nothing to do. And being a DJ, it's really, really expensive to buy all that equipment. And plus you need space. So it's really an undemocratic playing field where only a, a few of the privileged kids can actually do it. So that blackout really, really evened out what was a really unfair playing ground. And then a lot of crews come up after that because they're mixed in a match. Hey, you got a turntable. I have a mixer. You know, that's how a lot of the early groups actually form. Yeah. So I, I, we talked a little bit before we started recording. Like I, I'm always fascinated with um, the process by which 
things go from being popular culture, right? Like Shakespeare, Dickens, like anything, you know, that survived from art from however long ago was just like at one time what people were doing for fun, right? And then at some point, there's this transitionary process where it becomes kind of enshrined into capital A art and it becomes uh, academic and everything else. And I think there are some rappers, you know, like Jay-Z obviously is very self-consciously concerned with that process, right? Of how that's going to happen for for hip hop. Um, but to me, I mentioned to you, like, I think books like yours, like it, it, this to me is sort of where you start seeing scholarly works that are still entertaining are part of that process too. And I'm just kind of curious, like you mentioned, feeling like these origins were important because of how big hip hop has become. Did you have a sense of kind of writing for history or writing for posterity or kind of being a part of that hundred year conversation about this music that really did become popular in our lifetimes, obviously? I mean, I think the the goal is that with any work that you're doing that hopefully it, it lasts and I felt the responsibility of putting something together important. And especially talking to people whose stories weren't as well known, who were really impactful. Uh, Edwin Fletcher, who went by the name Duke Booty, he helped co-write a lot of the message and he passed away last year. And I knew that his story wasn't as well known as it should be. So, you know, somebody like him, I'm really, really happy to get his name and his thoughts and reflections into this book. Uh, same thing with Rocky Ford, who uh, helped Curtis Blow do Christmas rapping. And he passed away, unfortunately, but I was able to include him in this book. So getting people like that who maybe aren't as well known, but who had a really, really great hand in, in helping hip hop and birthing it from the from the start, basically, it, it's something that I'm proud of. Sure, Did you say sure. his name was Duke Booty? That's, <laughs> that's what he went by. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I have a question. They, they <laughs> so, had some names back then, dog. Yeah, they got they some names. Some names. Too, that's a name like a motherfucker. Yeah. But uh, like you, you, you've talked about in the podcast before that you said you couldn't listen to rap growing up. Like your mom was like, "Keep that rapidy rap stuff out of my house." You know what I mean? Now you're writing a book about it. You know about the history of it as a whole. You know, you have kids, and rap is the most popular thing in the world. It's ubiquitous at this point. You feel me? How are you managing that? Now, like, I mean, you know, I'm wondering how, are you approaching it in a similar way or do you just like, yo, because then you talked about like Tupac being really important, you know what I mean? And you, you know, making sure to tap into that back in the time when it wasn't, you know, it wasn't even close to the biggest, you know what I'm saying? It was, you know, more underground at that moment, at that moment, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just wondering how you're managing that. Yeah, no, I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, both boys, and I walk around the house playing Kendrick Lamar, playing whatever. Now I say that. And I also come with the caveat that I, I have a wife. When she hears cursing, she'll give me the Jonathan and I'll, I'll turn it down a little bit. But, I, you know, especially when I'm driving around in the car with my boys, like I want this music to, I want them to know it. You know, I want it to for be sure, in their veins. Sure. And, you know, it's all just just words, you know. And for if sure. they have the knowledge to be able to, you know, be educated and know what words they can use in school and whatnot, but be able to still hear the message, I'm fine with that. Cool, we're, cool. we're 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 similarly aligned on our parenting philosophy there, but I I am curious because my kids are are nine and six, they're almost the exact same ages as yours. What don't you? Is there anything you don't let them you know watch or or, or listen to or anything that as they're getting older? Because you got an eight year old, I have a nine year old. They're right on that brink of like, 
it's difficult to have any say so in what they want to do, obviously. Like, what, is there anything you're planning on kind of keeping from them? Or are we as a generation doing away with the concept of you're not allowed to partake of whatever? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if this parenting advice works for everybody. And like I said, my wife balances me out. But, you know, I feel like kids these days are going to be exposed to shit way earlier than we were when we were yes. growing up. It's just impossible. You know, my kids have iPads that they use and play the games all these times when, you know, we become too lazy to do stuff with them. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> is respected, bro. <laughs> you know, and, you know, I feel like it's the world we live in. And I just try to, you know, instill those values where, you know, they know right from wrong, you know, because they're going to be mm-hmm. challenged throughout life. For sure, for sure, for sure. Something, something that hopped out to me is, um, you know, the hip hop world, it is expansive but it's also tight knit at the same time like i was reading an excerpt where um big gip from goody mob you know he mentioned that tupac played hit him up to him and left eye hit big gip and left eye were the first people to hear hit him up like you know i knew Pac and left eye were cool like i knew he introduced her to andre rising and all that but i had no idea like you know big gip and Pac were homies you know what i mean so like you know d- during your research was there anything that that you know kind of hopped out to you and and like that that kind of surprised you like any any friendships or like you know bonds or anything like that on those lines Gip was like this universal figure that everybody loved right Gip cool <laughs> like, as fuck super cool and Gip was cool with Pimp C. He was cool with Pac. He was cool with Biggie. Ah, let me think of what comes to mind. Ah, Shorty, Shorty B, he was a producer. He was somebody who worked with, with both Biggie and Pac, and there's only a couple couple producers who have done that. Easy Mo B was another one. So hearing mm-hmm. both of their perspectives, perspectives of working with those two guys at the same time were yeah. really unique and, and informational for me especially for that biggie tupac chapter that's one that that comes to mind immediately for sure for sure people sleep on easy moby he had his hands on ready to die on um you know tupac me against the world like uh easy moby put in work man yeah he's super super talented for and sure, he did sure. uh craig matt yeah yeah flaming yeah and um you know speaking of Pac, you know you did mention that Pac was like your, your favorite rapper right yeah yeah what, what's what's like your favorite album favorite track from him Man, I get it. Like with Pac, the thing I love about him is that it's like whatever mood you want, there's mm-hmm. a song for you. You know, like especially growing up, like I didn't, I didn't get that education that I wanted to about the world around me or that I felt I needed until I was able to listen to Pac the way I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So I think about changes. I think about, you know, dear mama. I think about, you know. I think about hit them up <laughs> you, yeah. when you want to go straight, was, was straight moment, visceral though. on somebody. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Dude, and and Brenda's got a baby. I mean, I think that song just really, really illuminated for me the the world back then and and gave me an education on stuff that I didn't even know that I needed. For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Pac Pac contained multitudes, man. For sure, he accomplished so much in just twenty five years. Like it's so crazy to look back on. Exactly. But, um, put a, go, ahead. go ahead, go ahead. Mike, I'm just warning for you. Do you remember yeah. where you were being Southern California native like me, where you were when Tupac died? Um, yeah, actually, and it's kind of a crazy story. I tweeted about this and then it ended up um Jeff Perlman wrote about it for I think for Rolling Stone, but um I was uh I was a, a, a student at Poly. <clears throat> 
and uh, or or about to be. But the um, I knew people on the football team. They actually saw him. They got into a, like an altercation with him. On they were on their way back from Vegas, and he was going to Vegas. I remember that Perlman story. Yes, so he got that off of. I had just tweeted about this because I knew some of the guys on the team and I knew the coaches. And there had it sort of popped off in Southern California, a little you know mini Twitter of like, there's no way this happened without someone having written about it. And that was my lesson that instead of tweeting interesting stories that I've heard from the homies, I need to just fucking pitch the story to Rolling Stone. Uh, <laughs> but Jeff did a great job with the story, and so yeah, like, but that that was all wrapped up in it because it it was this like every it, all of that happened so fast. Um, but yeah, I mean that felt like in Long Beach. Um, you know, obviously he, he was very connected with Snoop and a lot of people who, when we grew up, those people weren't media titans. They were your friends, older cousins, homie, you know, whatever. And so, um, I, I think as I'm sure you had a, a little bit as well, we all had this feeling that we were kind of in the center of the world, right? Like we're listening to power 106 or we're sneak listening to power 106 or whatever. And then three months later, the stuff we listened to everybody's listening. You know what I mean? So I definitely had that feeling of like, it just kind of felt like being in a movie a little bit. Was that, was that your experience too? Yeah. I mean, for me, when Pac died, it was like one of those like man lands on the moon moments that you'll never forget, like where you were when that happened. And like, I've only ever gotten that feeling. The only other time in my life I've gotten that feeling was when Kobe died. Right. Like when, Mm like the laws of physics aren't supposed to apply to this person. They're, they're way too young. Like this isn't real. And I remember like for years after, like the, the music that Pac had kept being delivered, delivered, delivered. And you would just think that he would be in Jamaica chilling. Like I really wanted to <laughs> believe those rumors. I was fully, yeah. I was fully ape. Uh, Pac is in, uh, <laughs> is in Costa Rica <laughs> or Jamaica conspiracy theorists yeah. for sure. And part yeah, of I it was just being, being 13, 14, like, well, how would this album be coming out otherwise, you know, and just not <laughs> right. having a real understanding of the world. Right. Right. He's Jesus on the cover. If you switch the words around in Machiavelli, right. it says I'm totally. alive. <laughs> Don't disregard the K, but it says I'm alive. Yeah. Those conspiracy theories about him chilling in Cuba and all that were, yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, I, I was I was down the rabbit hole of like, if someone that famous got killed, they would have caught who did it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. there's no way there wouldn't be someone in jail right now. Like, look at every other president that got assassinated. They caught the guy who did it. Like, I was fully down the rabbit hole on all that shit, for sure. For sure. Yeah, so, so Jonathan, you know, you said Pac's your, your favorite rapper, but you also mentioned that Dr. Dre, the chronic G thing, like, that was what drew you into hip-hop. Um, For me personally, like, you can see the Tribe, you know, poster in my background. Like, I remember Benita Applebaum being the first song that I fell in love with as a rap fan. Um, so, so what was it about, you know, Dre's sound, the chronic sound, the G-Funk sound that kind of, you know, just just captivated you and made you a rap fan? That's the Southern California sound right there with the, the synthesizers and yeah. that P-Funk and, and rolling down the windows and driving through Southern California. That was one of the first times that an album really, really got radio play too. Uh, just a, a hardcore rap album, but straight radio play all across the country. And it was just music that you could vibe to. It was the, the one, two, three, into the four. Um, mm-hmm. that, that was a great time for music, and especially hip hop music. Yeah, the chronic, the chronic was a monster, bro. Like, G Thing was was one of those songs where you can say like it shifted the entire soundscape of rap. 
You know what I mean? When, when that shit dropped, you know, the, the crown kind of went from New York to L.A. You know, L.A. kind of became the dominant sound. The Chronic is is just a masterpiece. I think it's it, like if you ask me to name my like Mount Rushmore top five, it's up there for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you go by what it influenced. I mean, the Chronic helped influence UGK. It helped influence mm-hmm. Outkast. It helped influence a bunch of stuff that came afterwards. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, you've you've interviewed, you know, like we mentioned, like 300 plus people here. So like who was like, you know, like a surprisingly cool or fun interview? Like, I know you probably came across some dickheads that, you know, the, 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 the odds just say that that had to be in the mix. But like who was like, a, a um, you know, someone you got off the phone and was like, wow, that that person was surprisingly cool as fuck or whatever. I don't know if there was anybody who I was surprised by, but like the people who took time to really think about the questions and really get, give illuminative answers where somebody just growing up when I grew up in the era I grew up somebody like Ice Cube um, just for his impact in the hip-hop Killer Mike was dope Just Blaze was real cool there's a lot of people like that who who really really stick out yeah yeah, I, I, I want to know around. who the dickheads were. You were smiling when he <laughs> yeah. said someone was a dickhead. I know, I know you're not going to tell us, but I'm just saying. <laughs> there's the there's a couple people who immediately came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, but- I wanted to ask you, just as a writer, I just wanted to ask you about the the work that went into this. You mentioned that your first draft of it was was considerably bigger, and I just like just. As much as you know off the top of your head, can you share with us some of the logistics? 300 plus interviews, like how long did you work on this? How much effort was it to get it down into like one book length? You know what I mean? Like it, it, you must feel like unbelievable that this is about to actually come out this week. You know what I mean? And be done, right? Yeah. I mean, I think I started this in 2017. And just to start it, I think first off I read about 30 hip hop centric books, just to make sure that I had a good base of knowledge before I even started out on this thing. And there have been, like, I don't want to get it twisted. There have been some really, really good history of hip hop books done. Jeff Ching did a great one and Dan Charnas did a really, really good one. But I knew that an oral history format would be different in, in these icons names and or icons voices being delivered and almost having it like a like they're in a room bouncing ideas and thoughts and reflections off of one another. So that was, that was a big thing. And then it was knowing like I would have to hit these big tent poles and milestones in hip hop in this book. And also knowing that I needed to be flexible with the voices that I did get to include to be able to tell their story. Like there's no one story that's going to, or one book that's going to be able to capture the straight every important person, moment, history, date in hip hop history. Like that's impossible, but I want it to be true to moments and sparks that really influenced and propelled other moments in hip hop history while also telling individual stories inside of this book. For sure, for sure. Well, you nailed that shit, man. Like I said, this book is an accomplishment. You should be extremely proud of yourself because like like you mentioned, I probably would have side-eyed you like, how the hell are you going to make this happen? But you for sure <laughs> pulled it off, man. Appreciate you hopping on with us. As we mentioned, the, um, the come up in oral history of the rise of hip hop in stores October 18th. Make sure you get your copies. A hell of a read. Appreciate you hopping on with us, Jonathan. Oh, man, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. For sure. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home services marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. 
Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects easy. We've used Angie at my house. We had some work done. Uh, We had some painting done. We're able to find a bunch of really qualified people with good rates through Angie and pick someone we're really happy with. It was super easy to use the app, super easy to connect with someone. We got the call right away, so we didn't have to sit around and wait. Renters, you can use Angie, too, for moving, installation, or cleaning. Angie has simplified finding help for home projects. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service projects from start to finish. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com or download the app today. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our thanks to Jonathan for hopping on with us. Uh, like I said up top, if you have a chance to go pick that book up tomorrow, definitely make sure you go and get it. Looks like uh, looks like an instant fucking classic. To be yeah. completely honest with you, Tyler, how far have you been uh, reading into it still? Yeah, yeah. Um, I skipped around a bit, but now I'm reading like chronologically and shit. So I'm on like, shit. I'm like a hundred pages deep right now. It's so good, man. Like, like, like you know, I told her, I feel like, bro, I like this. This feels like an instant classic. Like, it, this might be like some hip hop Bible shit. You know what I'm saying? So, so shouts to Jonathan Abrams, man. Hell of a piece of work. For sure. All right. Uh, we've got a, a an instant classic of our own right before we started recording. John's daughter, Somi, took her took her first step. She was, yeah, like, waiting till yeah. we recorded <laughs> to start walking. <laughs> She's been playing around with it, taking, like, one, two steps here and there. You feel what I'm saying? And then, like, Rada's telling me, John, she just took six steps. So, obviously, like, yo, I'm going to let me go over there. Brought the camera. And... <laughs> She walks to me. She walks to the couch. Dog, man. Like, I just, I, I man, I'm just, I, I know it's going to be like, I, it's weird understanding how much harder being a parent is going to be now, but also still wanting it to happen. Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird experience. But yeah, man, like, 
I don't. I haven't been that happy or proud possibly ever. Maybe when she was born, but so <laughs> these little things. She took steps. Oh my god! I'm like fucking <laughs> elated. You know what I'm saying? Like right. a human's being a human. It's just it's funny. But yeah. Yeah, but I think that's the crazy thing. And having a baby reminds you of that. That like other than breathing and blinking, we had to learn every single thing that we Bro. do. Every single thing. Like Bro. you know what I mean? Like like. You every single thing that I did today would be you'd be losing your mind if Somi did it. If she like put a sock on, <laughs> bro, and bro, that's what's so funny to me. Like a kiddo, do like she 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 like feed herself, and I'm like, good job. I'm like, you know, like it's fucking confetti <laughs> comes out the ceiling and shit. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the smallest things we're celebrating. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, that's like that's a, that's the perfect like. Other than breathing, you know what I'm saying? And fucking, you know what I mean? Like, everything is learned. And it's interesting seeing a human from this perspective, you know what I mean? Just constantly learning every day. But yeah, man, Shorty, Shorty, we got a walker now, bro. We got a, we got a walker, man. And I, I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> I'm excited, but I'm also, you know, there's some nerves there. But yeah, she was great because she's already in everything. Now she's now she's just you know it's gonna turn she's that gonna up by ten. She's, she's, she's expanding her catch radius. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, all right, normally we end the, like, usually when I'm putting the topics list together for Jenkins and Jones, I will scroll back through the group chat because if we were having fun talking about it in the group chat, then we'll have fun talking about it on the podcast. Or I'll scroll one of your guys' timelines or whatever. And uh, no one's really, we haven't really, none of us been tweeting anything. And the group chat, we can't talk about what was in the group chat, but we can talk about how <laughs> no, we can't talk about what sir. was in the group chat. We haven't had one discussable text in the group chat in like two weeks. <laughs> That's how you know the group chat it. popping, though. That's when it's really getting good when you can't talk about it. What goes in the group chat stays in the group chat the last few weeks, baby. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> Shit, dog. <laughs> We'd be canceled if it got out of this play. It's not that bad, but yeah. The woke, dude. the woke mob would the be after mob. Jenkins and Jones. Hey. <laughs> I would pivot to an anti-cancel culture person very quickly if the group chat got leaked. <laughs> oh shit! Oh shit, man. Maybe we should quit while we ahead, dog. Maybe we should. Somebody quit gonna hack our head. shit. You feel me? We gonna be out of here, dog. <laughs> not Tyler, not because Tyler does AC. They might hack the iMessage. That's the problem. That's the only problem. All right, okay. okay. Tyler, there we go. Yeah, I saved y'all, man. You saved us. Thank you. Your, your brick did the work that we needed to do. You feel me? <laughs> 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 all right, y'all. Thanks to Jonathan Abrams for hopping on with us. Uh, thanks to Jackson and all of the other producers on Jenkins and Jones. And we'll see y'all in the middle of the week for I think we're doing our NBA preview. For the Thursday yeah. episode since the season's starting this week. Oh, yeah. So uh, make sure and check out Thursday. We will talk and about block Kanye's in the name league. on Twitter. Just block his name, dog. <laughs> Let's not yeah. talk about that man no more. Let's move on. Yeah. You feel me? He gone. It's over with. Yeah. Thursday, NBA preview. Uh, we will talk about every team in the league, even if we're only talking about your team to say that we don't want to talk about your team. So check it out. We have a, <laughs> I, I, love, I love the NBA preview every year. We have a fun time with that. So we'll see you all on Thursday. Bye. 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 When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do 
and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.